just another great opportunity to be in your house today to hear from you. And Lord, we also admit that sometimes when we hear the word of God, we don't know what you need to tell us. But here we are, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, nice and calm, hearts receptive, Lord God, praying indeed that the Spirit is doing its work of, of digging up foul soil of our souls. Because our desire is that we would bear much more fruits for the glory of the kingdom of God. So, Father, help us to be courageous enough to receive your word. Help us, Lord God, to dig in, Lord God, to simply say, yes, Lord, it is me, it is me standing in the need of prayer, standing in the need of your word, of your presence today. Now, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock, my strength, my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we continue in this series in the book of Philippians, I know some of you may be asking, how long are we going to be in Philippians? Well, we're going to be there until we're finished. Amen. Until God says that we are done. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. Many of you are well aware that uh, the theme of this entire series is called Sticking Together because of the joy or for the joy of the gospel. Because all of us know that in times of question and in times of doubt, that one of the things that we need the most, we need one another in the body of Christ. We need one another to survive. We may pretend as if uh, we don't need you, but in the broad body of Christ, we need brothers and sisters to pray for us. We need brothers and sisters to lift us up, to encourage us, because sometimes life becomes difficult. Sometimes life uh, becomes almost to the point of being unbearable, and for some, uh, that ends in a fatal period. So we understand that we must stick together because of the joy of the gospel. So the first thing we see in our passage today is that as brothers and sisters that we must agree in the Lord. We must agree in the Lord. Philippians 4, verse 2. Paul says, I entreat Euodia, and I entreat Synthache to agree in the Lord. Something as simple as that. So here, Paul, he urges 
these two ladies, that he tells them that, look, uh, ladies, you got to agree in the Lord. You got to come together. And he says to entreat them, which means to urge them or to beg them or to ask them in a very intense way. He's saying that, ladies, you got to come together. Paul's use of this word, he is asserting his apostolic authority as he speaks in God's name with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying not just as some casual person would, but he's saying this in terms of being an apostolic authority figure within the body of Christ. He's saying euodia, he's saying synthiki, that you must agree in the Lord. Sometimes we become so cozy and casual with reading and hearing God's word, we forget about it's God who actually empowers the word. And yes, I tell you, sometimes, regardless who even speaks to the word, sometimes there are some fools out there that's speaking God's word, but yet God still uses his apostolic authority to say that the grass wither and the flower fades, but the word of our God, that it stands forever, that God says his word will not return to him void. So whether you like the person who presents the word of God, whether you like the messenger or not, is almost secondary. Because God says that his word will not return to him, what? Void. It will not return empty. It will not go out in vanity that it will accomplish everything it was set out to do. So Paul, he commands certain behavior from the vantage point of being an apostle. And oftentimes he does that because the situation has become so critical. When situations are, are, get, get really dire, you have to use the apostolic authority in order to make it happen. And that would be the deciding factor for the body of Christ. Deciding whether or not if the situation is critical, could it be handled uh, for uh, or during the process of a, a protracted process over a period of time? Critical situations demand immediate attention, uh, while other situations, not immediately destructive, uh, can be handled over time, as you can possibly imagine. For instance, Paul commands believers to stay away from a brother or sister who lives in idleness or not in accord with biblical traditions. You're saying, where or oh, where? Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Paul says here, Now we command you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. Okay, so Paul says that, look, if you got folks who acting up and not doing what they're supposed to be, uh, supposed to be doing, Paul says, you know what, uh, you need to stay away from them. All right, now hear me out. I, I, 
got to say this now. I'll say this up front. You know, sometimes when you hear me preach uh, a message, sometimes you may not get my full theology because you may have heard only one message. But to understand my full theology, you have to hear an entire breath of preaching from me. Can you say amen? Uh, I got to say that. Uh, because as uh, certain things are going to be mentioned, and they are going to be mentioned, I hold no punches back because it is God's word. But in order to understand me fully, you have to hear everything within context. But yet, let God's word be true and every man be a liar. So, uh, this was a critical place for the church at Thessalonica, right? And uh, they, uh, Paul said, look, you got to immediately deal with this idle brother or sister, uh, whatever the case may be, uh, because if you don't, it will spread like wildfire. Hmm. Other areas that require a command from the apostles include include not having anything to do with folks who are spreading irreverent uh, 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 and silly myths within the church. Recall years ago, uh, another church uh, that I ministered at, that uh, there were a couple of brothers that they were often to some tangent, some kind of Yahweh thing. I'm like, man, I said, I said, that stuff, what you're doing, you are running on an unbiblical thing. But what about this? They start talking about these myths. I said, Scripture says it has nothing to do with, and I turned those brothers away. Of course, they didn't like it, but that's just the way it is. So in our passage, Paul is entreating or urging or appealing to these ladies. But Paul wants to make it clear in his admonition that what he's saying is not just going to one, but to the both of them. You're saying, well, how do you figure that out? Because look at the passage, right? He says in verse 2, he says, I entreat Euodia. Amen? And then he says, and I entreat Syntyche. So, when you're writing in Greek or English for that matter, you already know you don't have to repeat that same word twice. Amen? It's not necessary. I entreat Yodia uh, and Syntyche, but Paul wanted to make sure that the church and that these ladies did not misunderstand that he is talking to both of them. So Yodia or Syntyche say, well, Paul was just saying he's entreating you and not me. Paul says, look, I'm entreating uh, Euodia, I'm entreating uh, Syntyche. I, uh, both of this message goes to both of you. <laughs> so you today, if you want to figure out who I'm talking about today in my message, I'm talking about you specifically, amen? And I'm talking about everybody in general, amen? So I'm entreating you in the Lord. So believers now, within the church, are sometimes deadlocked in disagreement. Have you ever seen that before? <laughs> Have you ever seen believers deadlocked in disagreement in the body of Christ? This is Paul saying. He's saying to Yoda and Syntyche, he says, I, I, I want you to agree in the Lord, which tells us what? That there is some disagreement that's, that's going on between these two ladies. 
Now, we don't know the specifics about what they are. Maybe one didn't like the, what, the color hat she wore, wore to church. Maybe the other didn't like, uh, you know what, you came up in church with this on, and you know what, you need to get out of here because that's just not godly. Or maybe you looked at me funny, uh, so therefore, you know, I I'm mad at you and I can never forgive you. Well, we don't know why. Scripture does not tell us what the issue was, what the problem was, right? Scripture doesn't tell us what the problem was. What we know is, is that they were obviously at each other's throats. So we don't know the specifics about it, but one thing that we do know, that their disagreement made it to the level of Scripture. Their disagreement, yes, made it to the level of Scripture. Imagine having a disagreement with someone and it being inscribed in the Word of God for millennium, allowing the entire church from Paul to now, thousands of years, in on your problem. So it's not just between you and her or you and him, uh, but uh, for many millions of people are now in on your situation because Paul decided to address it in this letter to the Philippians. Now I know that some people will get upset. Why are you going to broadcast all my news all over the church? Right? Some folks will become undone. But we must look at this through the eyes of God's redemptive plan. You see? So look at it this way. Look at it this way. That Jesus used the disagreement between these two ladies in order to bring healing to the church for thousands and thousands of years. Huh. Think of it that way. You may say, well, I don't want nobody to write a letter about me for thousands of years. But if it could help someone else in the body of Christ, could it be advantageous for the body of Christ? Maybe it was not Paul's plan to advertise this rift to the whole world, but yet it certainly happened. But even if Paul didn't uh, uh, intend to advertise their mess to the world, he certainly intended to advertise it to the church at Philippi. Why do I say this? Because he put it in the letter. And it, remember that it was not just one person reading uh, this letter, right? Philippians chapter 1. Verse 1, come on. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to what? All right, let's try it again. I don't think all of you got it, so let's try it again. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, he says what to whom? To all the saints. So before you get up on your high horse and say, well, he had no business advertising our business to the whole church, you are wrong. You're wrong. Your emotions, your feelings do not pass biblical muster. Simple as that. And I say, if God said it, that's enough for me. We may not always like it. I don't always like what God has to say to me, but that's just the way it is. But again, 
You know how it is today. I don't want any of my business out there. Uh, and, and if my business get out there, uh, then the next threat is I am what? Leaving. <laughs> I have learned that in some instances, people, they leave the church is typically due to their inability to be spiritually mature in tough situations. I have seen this over and over ad nauseum in various churches throughout my life. And instead of standing strong, people, they leave when it's time to mature. And frankly, if uh, people leave their jobs at the same rate in which they leave the church, most people would be unemployed. You leave your job every time somebody make you mad. They don't leave your job every time somebody put your business out there. You ain't going to ever have a job because you'll never be able to get along with anyone. People will always talk about you. Why? Guess why? Because people are what? Always talking about you. Did I say that out loud? People are going to talk about you. People, maybe you didn't hear me. People are going to talk about you. I've told you this before. And Elder Davis, he certainly knows exactly what I'm talking about. There's one thing to have people talking about you, but when they write things in the newspaper about you, for everyone to hear about it, and you're like, you're like, why, you know, man, why they say that? For all your, you just, you just don't like it. People, they don't talk about you no matter what. You need to to get strong. So why do people take greater offense in church than they do on their jobs? Well, I guess one reason is because of the money. You're willing to put up with mess when you're getting paid than when you're not getting paid. Some people think that, well, church is supposed to be better than that. But look at this. Paul is dealing with this issue at the church at Philippi. Yeah, the church should be better than that, but everybody is not on the same level. Therefore, we as a church, all the churches for all time, need to learn how to grow up. Me, you, and everybody else in between. All of us need to learn how to grow up, how to be mature within the body of Christ. (laughs) Even when it comes to the church, a spiritual entity, under the headship of Jesus Christ, under his blood, there are problems that go unabated. So Paul says that believers should live in harmony with one another. And boy, if you think I'm just getting started, you you think I'm about done, you better hold on. You better hold on. Believers, we're called to, to live in harmony with one another. We should be in harmony with the person to our left and to our right, in front of us and behind us. We should be in harmony. Yeah, there are going to be problems. Problems happen. He says that these ladies should agree. Uh, That word means to be of the same mind. And again, this is not new in Paul's letters and his teachings. In fact, uh, he has adopted this way of thinking or living from the moment that he met Christ. When, when God knocked him off of his high horse, uh, Paul began to instantly understand uh, the things that, uh, that Jesus was calling him to. He brings us up in, in uh, uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 5. 
Romans 15, verse 5. He says here, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. See, Paul was telling the church of the, of the Romans, he was saying that you got to live in harmony. The same idea we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. He says comfort. Restore. Agree. Live in peace. And when you do that, you will get that peace that surpasses all understanding. So this idea of unity of being partakers, living in harmony, and being of the same mind is peppered throughout Paul's letters and, and, and a central focus in Philippians as we see, right? This is a focus in Philippians. In fact, some have posited that this tiff between Iodia and Syntyche is the main reason why Paul wrote this letter in the first place. Some are saying this. I don't agree with that. But some say that. But remember what he said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Philippians 1, 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit. Here it is. With one what? Mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Remember what he wrote in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Philippians 2 and 2. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of, say, uh, and of one mind. Here it is again, one mind of the same mind in one accord. Paul is saying as a body of believers, we need to be together. How many times must we hear this in the body of Christ before it finally sticks to our brains? How many times must we hear this within the church uh, membership before we finally get it that we are one family, we should be of one mind? So what is the problem, what the problem is? Either we have a stick ne neck, a stiff neck about God's word, or we're just totally ignorant of what it says, right? If you don't know what a stiff neck is, that means you are obstinate, that you are in opposition to whatever God says, you're going to do the opposite, right? It's like someone making you mad, all of a sudden, I can't even see, I can't even see, or you can't turn your neck, this is what a stiff neck is, can't even turn it around, yeah, hey, so-and-so, yeah, yeah, you over there, over here, you're going this way. See? Which are you? Are you stiff-necked concerning God's word? Or are you ignorant about what it says? Which are you? Which one are you? Whatever the case may be, what is the Lord telling us personally in this area right now? You know what we say about other people. 
Oh, you know what? I can take them or leave them. You really can't tell. Or you can talk to grown folks until you're blue in the face and they will still do what they want to do. So imagine Paul, this great apostle, who has led the way of the gospel to the Gentiles and read the riot acts to some of the other apostles for being hypocritical in the faith, to now have to deal with two bickering women. And you think that your distaste or unpleasant attitude doesn't make a difference in the body of Christ? Think again. Look at these two ladies. We are still talking about it today. So if you think that your little bickering doesn't make a difference or is a problem within the body of Christ, think again. So when you can't find common ground in conversation, then you need to learn to agree in the Lord. Does that mean uh, agree that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of the world and that we can agree upon that? But there is much more and we can agree upon it as we grow and mature in the faith. But we always start from the one central point is, and that is Jesus Christ rules and reigns in my life. But you see, for Paul, the first desire is for believers is to work things out together in those moments that are strained with interpersonal communication in those relationships. We understand this as Jesus instructed us to work things out when we're having problems amongst ourselves. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Jesus knew this would happen. Uh, Jesus said this before the church even started in Acts chapter 2. But Matthew 18, verse 15. Jesus says, everybody says Jesus says. Here we go. Go. Jesus. Uh, so this is Jesus talking. If your brother, he didn't say sister, but I'm telling you sister because he also meant sister. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell him or her his or her fault between you and them alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. So what is the purpose of trying to communicate with someone you're having a disagreement with? What is the primary reason for trying to communicate with them? Because you want a what? You want a restored what? Relationship. That's what you want. You want or should want a restored relationship. That's number one. Nothing else. Not to be right, not to be this, not to be that, but to have a restored relationship. And this is always the best way of handling most situations, whether it's within or without the body of Christ. So God's word tells Yoda and Syntyche to agree in the Lord Allow what you know of the Lord to guide your relationship and don't allow your raw emotions to guide the conversation because raw emotions will always tear things apart every time without fail. If you have already made it up in your mind that uh, this happened, this happened, then when you begin the conversation, you got a problem. But if you go really to seek to understand 
typically things will turn out. Things are, may not be as bad as you're making them out to be. I'm not saying always, but some of the time. It's very interesting that the name Yodia, it means prosperous, and Synthike means fortunate. So it looks like uh, fortunate and prosperity, it just couldn't get along in the Philippian church. So as we walk through this passage, we can't help uh, but to think one big, about that one big blowout between Paul and Barnabas about John, Mark, and the book of Acts. That should be at the back. How in the world can Paul, how, who, who does Paul think I can hear maybe Barnabas saying that, or maybe even John, Mark? Who does Paul think he is? You know, when we had a chance to do X, Y, and Z, he just told them, you know what, let's just leave them. We're going to separate them so I can go and do the work of the ministry. I'm not going to even listen to him in any way. Acts 15, verse 39. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. I don't understand. I don't understand how a leader of the church can just walk away in the midst of a heated argument. Because look, brothers and sisters, sometimes, here it is, all right, context now, sometimes it's better to walk away than to be in a mess with someone who hasn't made up in their mind what they already thought about in the first place. Okay. Now, before you make a decision, I'm not done. But you hold on to that thought, whatever you think. So again, maybe these words by Paul here in Philippians is a reflection about his actions. And how even his actions were detrimental to the gospel and the bigger picture of the kingdom of God. He was trying to bring these two ladies together in Philippians because their separation is not good in the name of Christ. It really isn't good. On the other hand, if two people could never seem to get it together in the church, the best course of action is to separate. Now hold on. For you say that this is a word from the Lord to separate, then know that the outcome of it was all for the, uh, for the relationship to be restored. That was the desire. Near the end of his life, look at what Paul had to say in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. At the end of that. So they had that big blowout about John Mark, but again, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, Paul says this. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. We're talking about John Mark. We're talking about that very same John Mark that Paul said early in the book of Acts, I don't want nothing to do with him because he's a scaredy cat. Get away from me. But here, 2 Timothy 4.11, he says what? Get Mark. And bring him with you, for he is very useful to whom? See? But can't you hear those who are looking at the church? Can't you hear them now saying, I told you there was nothing to that Christian thing? Because they act just like us, and some of them act worse than we do. 
So the question that's on the table then, here it is. Write this one down. Should the church get involved with spats between believers? Should the church get involved with spats between believers? Philippians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul says, Yes! I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So should the church get involved with spats between believers? The answer is what? I hear some of you say yeah, but some of you are not willing to say yeah because you don't want to hear it. That's okay too, because we're going to stand on the word of God, amen? Should the church get involved with spats between believers? The answer is yes. I tell you yes. But it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody should get involved, amen? Paul instructs, he says there, that there's a true companion. So Paul, somehow he's narrowing it down to a true companion, someone that we uh, don't know who that is. But obviously, this person was uh, so well-known within the church that Paul found it necessary not even to mention their name. So everybody else knew who it was. Uh, there was, uh, you can call it a person of peace, who's willing to bridge that gap between individuals. But know uh, that at the bottom uh, the bottom line of it all, that the church should get involved in spats between believers. Now, that doesn't mean that we always like it, right? When it's time for a pastor or an elder or anyone else to get involved in spats, that doesn't mean that we always like to do that because we really don't. We don't like to hear that, but it goes with the word of God. As you should be obedient, we should be obedient as well. And sometimes it may not be them. It could be someone else. It could be someone who's not a leader, but they are wise or they have experience in life that they can help you walk through your mess. So don't walk around all mad with your face all twisted up because everybody knows. Everybody already knows. You can try to hide it all you want, but the Spirit reveals all things. So again, we must turn to the teachings of Jesus who knew that we would have problems with this type of issue and set forth a plan for us to follow which may run counter to our nature. So in other words, the scripture tells us to get involved, but we may not want to get involved. As I say, it runs counter because nobody wants to get involved in yet another mess. Or if they do, Folks just don't have the courage to get involved. You just don't have the courage. Our first way of dealing with the situation is for the two people who are in conflict to try to resolve uh, the problem according to Matthew 18 and 5. You see, it will be, it would not be necessary for other people to get involved if what would happen, number one, if those two people would do what? Work it out. Nobody would hear your business, right? Nobody would know what's going on with you and Dupree 
right, if you would first try to work it out. Number one. But what if it doesn't work out? What do you do on your job? What if that doesn't work, or what if the situation is one you know will end up being more toxic than before? The answer is still not to run and not to flee. And a situation uh, that's been ongoing the last couple of weeks, as a matter of fact. And uh, all I did was, all I did was, you know, I, I went online and I ordered this, this uh, little jacket to work out in from one of the well-known stores, right? And I waited on my order to come in three days. After three days, it didn't show up. So I called them. That was on the Monday I ordered it. It didn't show up by, uh, by Wednesday. I waited another day, Thursday. So I called them on Friday. They said, oh, we're not sure what it is. It's, oh, we see it was never really picked up in the first place. So therefore, we just make sure it gets out. So then I, I waited again a couple. We'll be there by Monday or Tuesday. Waited again. It didn't happen. So I did a little chat online. They said, okay, we're not sure what's going on with the jacket, blah, 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 blah. X, Y, and Z. We'll make sure we have it in the next two days. Uh, so I'm waiting and waiting on this thing. And then finally, you know, it didn't show up again. So I said, I'm making a phone call, right? So now I take it to the next level because me and that first individual, uh, we could not work out our situation. So I took it up uh, to uh, actually making a, 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 an actual phone call. So I talked to this person. Oh, I see what the problem is. The problem is X, Y, and Z. And I'll make sure that you actually get it out. So it's going to be there in such and such a day. And guess what? On such and such a day, it showed up. A pair of medium-sized black women pants. I'm like, really? So this time I get on line, and what do you think I did? I kept going, what? Up the ladder. I kept escalating it, right? So I, I, I still have the pants because, you know, I'm looking at my wife like, honey, no, you can't fit these. these yeah, I, she, she doesn't even want them. But anyway, uh, so I'm still working through that situation. So the bottom line, we've learned that what we do is when we can't resolve it on a certain level, then we go. Because I, I, I told the person who was on the phone, I said, you just give me the runaround just like the next person. And you're giving me the same old spiel. I don't want to hear that. I want to talk to your boss. See? Matthew chapter 18, verse 16. Matthew 18, verse 16. Look now what Jesus said. So first, remember verse 15, if you go to the person one-on-one, and if they listen to you, you agree, you've gained a brother, and everything is good, everything is copacetic, right? Now, uh, Matthew 18, 16, Jesus says, but if he or she does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. It's not that the other people are just simply want to get involved just in hearing what's going on. They're trying to help to work the situation out. They want to restore harmony within the body of Christ. But one really important behavior we must all hold on to is not to be so quick to be offended. Don't be so quick to be offended within the body of Christ. 
Some people even think something is being said in the wrong way. They're quick to accuse someone else of malfeasance. Sometimes this is because they have some things locked up inside their minds which they have not been able to uh, become unshackled from. This always keeps them on the offensive and ready to strike at a given notice. This is not the way the body of Christ should function. This is not how our Lord Jesus envisions his church. This is why we are called the body of Christ. This is why we are who we are, of the same body. Why would I want to hurt you? Why should you hurt me? If our own physical bodies attacked themselves, it would be devastating. In fact, it's called autoimmune disease. Autoimmune disease. WebMD describes it this way. The immune system uh, disorder uh, causes at normally low activity or other activity of the immune system. In cases of immune system overactivity, the body attacks and damages its own tissues. Immune deficiency diseases decrease the body's ability to fight invaders, causing vulnerability of infections. You see, when your body is attacking itself, how can it defend itself against outsiders, other diseases, or how can it grow? If the physical body is attacking itself, how can it defend against outsiders or continue to grow? Because all the energy is going inward. So attack, defend, attack, defend, attack, defend. In the physical body, this manifests itself in diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, and multiple sclerosis. That's the body turning on itself. However, within the church, there is a spiritual autoimmune disease that manifests itself in the form of senseless disagreements, gossip, Myths and foolish controversies. As with an autoimmune disease, our physical bodies, uh, of our physical bodies, a spiritual autoimmune disease will attack and destroy the body of Christ from the inside out. Are you a protector of the body? Or are you an attacker of the body? Paul understood this all too well as he attempted to deal with the situation. This is the reason why I believe he was so hard on some of the church's leaders because they had the potential of blowing up the church. So if you are a leader in the church, if you consider yourself mature, then don't take offense so quickly and seek to understand versus trying to attack to prove something about yourself. There's something greater at stake, the church, Jesus Christ. Now, another application for which we're not going to spend much time talking about, but yet it's here, and that is the autoimmune disease within a marriage or family. That's where a family or a marriage attacks itself from the inside out. 
And typically, uh, someone, if, if someone who has a physical autoimmune disease, if they're sitting still, typically you can't see. From the outside, it looks like everything is good. It's only when they try to do something like walk that you notice there's something wrong. Well, within a marriage, within a family, uh, when there is autoimmune disease, it is attacking itself from the inside out, so now uh, that marriage or now that family is not healthy. It's not healthy. It's not growing because it's only uh, existing to defend itself against itself. So are you a protector of your family or marriage? Or are you the scourge or the disease of your family and marriage? So Paul tells this true companion to help these ladies. He says, they need help. And by helping them, they help the church and allow it to return to a healthy state. The healthier your physical body is, the more that you can achieve. The healthier the body of Christ, the more you can achieve for the glory of God. All of us believers, we are a part of a team destined for heaven. Verse 3 again says, yes, I also... I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Yodia and Synthaki both are heading for heaven as they themselves have been a part of the progress of the gospel. I know it's so easy to designate someone as going to hell when they don't uh, agree with you. I, I get that. I understand that uh, to a degree. But yet that is up to God, especially when their actions seem to misalign with what you think is the mission of the church. It's easy to say you're going to hell. But in some cases, they're dealing with issues that are preventing them from aligning themselves with the word of God and the body of Christ. Jesus provides that template in Matthew 18. Again, when in doubt, go to Matthew 18. He walks it straight through. The one important thing that you got to do, that you must do, above all, that when you're at loggerheads, you need to get somebody else involved. There it is. But you also must pray for them. You must pray for them every day. 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 Let's pray. Lord, 